Hello, and welcome to today's UBP Impact Investing Podcast. I'm Simon Picard, and I'm Chair of the Impact Investment Committee at UBP. I'm delighted to be talking today to Colin Porteous, Chief Investment Officer of the conservation charity Peace Parks Foundation, based in South Africa. I'm going to be speaking to Colin today about biodiversity and specifically whether the tools exist to manage the current biodiversity crisis, and indeed whether it's possible to invest in the solutions to this undeniable crisis in the same way that private investments have been directed to attempting to solve the climate crisis. Colin and I are catching up in advance of both of us speaking at a UBP-hosted panel event on biodiversity on the 30th of November at the Building Bridges Conference in Geneva, Switzerland. The Building Bridges Conference is in its second year and represents the coming together of the finance and private sectors with academia, the public sector and international organisations around a common vision of addressing the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Colin, how wonderful to see you. Many thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Simon, um, and a uh, pleasure to be here. Um, and thanks for the invitation. Before talking about the important work you're doing in Africa, I wonder if you could help me to define biodiversity and, and why it's in crisis today. Biodiversity um, refers to the variety of life on Earth. It includes diversity within species, between species and of ecosystems. Now, that's the definition, but what does that actually mean? It means all life on Earth and how it's connected. Biodiversity, along with the non-living physical landscapes, make up the ecosystems. The value of biodiversity within these ecosystems can be thought of in terms of nature's contribution to people. What, is, what does that mean? What is nature's contribution to people? Ultimately, that's Natural processes that regulate things such as pollination, soil formation, air quality, water quality, all depend on biodiversity and all provide value to, to us as, as humans. Um, biodiversity also provides materials such as medicine, such as food, um, all of those uh, depend on biodiversity. And there's other intangible benefits from biodiversity, which, which typically are, are not really uh, captured in the valuation or thought processes of, of what is biodiversity, but it's, it's cultural value, it's uh, the feeling of being in nature and the connectedness that people need to have to nature. The question you raise about why is biodiversity in crisis uh, is a good one. And, and ultimately, what it comes down to is we have used the stocks of biodiversity, of natural capital, um, in an extractive use and, and that extractive use ultimately has led to the degradation of biodiversity. If you think of it in terms of a factory, it's like we're using the product of that factory, but at the same time, we are selling the component machines that make the goods that we're using. And now we wake up to the fact that our factory can no longer produce the, the goods that we need. So it, it's always good to frame this topic with, with examples because it is a fairly complex set of variables that are included. And ultimately, a great example is in the Peace Parks Foundation landscapes uh, is a national park in Malawi called Nika. Nika National Park is a high-altitude grassland park. And that watershed provides almost 10% of the runoff into Lake Malawi, on which more than uh, millions of people depend on their livelihoods on that lake. So the provisioning services coming off that 
that biodiverse region on top of Nika Plateau are, are massive. And that is subject to the biodiversity being intact. And currently what's happening is there's encroachment from poachers um, who burn that grassland to uh, utilize and, and some of the, the uh, meat and um, orchids for, for bread. They make uh, bread out of the roots. But that poaching leads to degra- uh, degraded landscapes. The pollinators uh, don't seed. The uh, game stocks reduce and disperse. Um, and, and what happens with that degraded landscape is that you get erosion and the functioning watershed of that ecosystem no longer functions and puts a large number of people at risk. And ultimately, the conservation of that biodiversity is the important component to keep that ecosystem and the services that that ecosystem provides. Colin, that's that's really interesting. And I think the example you gave there is so evocative of how uh, environmental issues interact with, with human issues. You know, we can't see these these two things in isolation. Um, do, do you think you could tell us a little bit more about the Peace Parks Foundation, perhaps a, a brief history in its scope today, as well as what you think its role, your role is in addressing the biodiversity crisis? Yes, uh, Peace Parks is a as you mentioned at the beginning, it's a Southern African uh, focused um, conservation organization um, focusing on transfrontier conservation areas. Um, those are conservation areas which are not defined by geopolitical boundaries. So it, it matches the wildlife dispersal areas and corridors that animals historically have used. So it's creating an ecosystem not bounded by uh, political boundaries. We, we started in 1997 with uh, Dr. Anton Rupert, Nelson Mandela, and Prince Bernard of the, of the Netherlands, and ultimately it was the facilitation of the creation of these transfrontier areas. As we evolved over the last 25 years or so, we have taken a much more direct um, um, participation in the landscapes. So we've moved across to a co-management model where we partner with the governments and we actually manage those landscapes on the ground. So within these transfrontier conservation areas are certain protected areas such as national parks, such as uh, wildlife reserves, etc. And we take a, a direct hand in the, the management of those, those parks. The, the unique selling point for Peace Parks really is the scale of it. So yes, within the T- TFCAs is protected areas, but ultimately those TFCAs are connected areas. And the scale is approximately 100 million hectares uh, in Southern Africa and the SADC countries. And to give you some context, that's twice the size of Spain. Now, that landscape goes across um, various ecosystems uh, and provides a large level of biodiversity. It includes riverine systems, mangroves, grasslands, wetlands, savanna, forest, and each of those ecosystems has its own unique biodiversity and each of those systems provides value in different ways to the communities around the areas but more broadly and globally it provides carbon sequestration activities and water security which affects ultimately a much larger population than just those geographically present so from a biodiversity perspective the protection of these large-scale landscapes not only in africa but across the globe 
is of fundamental importance to the provisioning of services for human human uh, kind in general. That's that's great. I mean, that's a, that's a really good summary, and I can really see that there's an enormous amount that Peace Parks is doing um, to to try and help this biodiversity crisis. Uh, one thing that does come to mind, though, is is the topic of funding, because obviously, in order to do this this extraordinary work, I mean, funding is key. Organisations like Peace Parks have traditionally been almost totally dependent on donor and philanthropic funding. And I know that one of the areas that you're really passionate about is the funding of conservation work. Um, and this brings us on to the subjects of our panel discussion that, that, that you and I will be attending at Building Bridges in a couple of weeks, which is going to be about the potential investment opportunity in solving the biodiversity crisis. Do you think, Colin, you could share some of your thinking on this um, and what changes you're seeing in terms of the funding and investment possibilities within conservation? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Simon. It is a really interesting space, I must admit. Um, and my role within Peace Parks was capacitated fairly recently. It was uh, about a year ago. And I've come across from purely a commercial background, um, structured finance and uh, direct investment background. And the reason why we've capacitated this new division, this innovative conservation finance division, is the, the board of Peace Parks saw um, strategic value in positioning ourselves to the emerging green economy. And ultimately, you are 100% correct. It, it has historically been a donor-funded um, activity, conservation. Um, but more and more, people are starting to understand that there is a value attached to this the conservation of these large-scale landscapes, which doesn't necessarily generate a direct cash flow, but has value nonetheless. And it's, it's very interesting to note in, in Europe, the European Central Bank has released supervisory um, recommendations to, to the, the participating banks that they need to start pricing in climate risk and pricing in nature risk, natural risk. And, and, and that's obviously biodiversity. So the recommendations have come up that it's not a separate risk. This risk lies within the normal banking system. It lies predominantly in credit risk, but it also lies in, in market risk, um, operation, operational risk, and uh, liquidity risk. So the banks are now starting to actually identify within their portfolios the risk inherent in not addressing biodiversity um, loss and climate, and climate change. So the, the challenge that we have is that the measurement of that um, is unclear. So the banks are, they understand that they have to, but, um, and, and investors understand that they have to uh, realign their portfolios so that they're not exposed to physical risks and they're not exposed to transition risks as people move away from their historically um, non, non-compliant uh, portfolios. But the question is, how do we, how do we start to price that? And ultimately, that goes hand in glove with the conservation angle. So each of these purely commercial financial instruments are now subject to a biodiversity risk, which now overlaps with conservation. So, so that really is the reason why uh, we've capacitated this division. And my mandate is to 
find um, commercial funding sources for for conservation. And there's many um, structures that are well well established already and um, and emerging, such as debt for nature swaps. There's endowment fund structures. There's uh, credit revolvers. There are many techniques which we started to look at, which uh, which will be now more and more part of the funding of conservation. And there's even very innovative structures coming out where we are starting to utilize digital technologies such as cryptocurrencies and non-fungible tokens to attract a new class of investor to conservation. How these things, uh, these things develop. I mean, yeah, who would have thought we'd be talking about sort of crypto and non-fungible tokens for, for, for biodiversity. I'd like to just go back to one of the things that you mentioned there, which is measurements. Yes. How do you think that you go about measuring biodiversity? Because as you said, without measurement, it's very difficult to design financial products that can be certain to be producing biodiversity results. How, how do you think about this issue? Thanks, Simon. Yes, that is a, a, a fundamental driver for any investment that, that people will need to look at is, is how do you measure it and how do you actually demonstrate that your biodiversity interventions are, one, working and two, creating value. So the complexity with biodiversity is that there are so many variables. Um, with climate, there is a specific target um, measured at one and a half degrees in the next uh, by twenty thirty. And yes, they are it's very variable and, and, and difficult to to intervene on that. But there is a clear target. With biodiversity, there are so many variables that it makes it more complicated. So, the United Nations Environment Program is running a a line project where they are looking at the global metrics which are being utilized and trying to bring a common standard to bear. That, that project looks at, for example, 14 different uh, measurement techniques. You know, some are facing corporates, some are facing um, NGOs, but each of them have their own benefits and have their own shortcomings. So thinking about how you measure biodiversity in a mangrove is, is different to how a a large corporate would measure the biodiversity impact on a palm oil plantation, for example. But fundamentally, biodiversity is a common theme across all of that. So it is it's very important to, to standardize the sort of metrics that will be used and be, can be marketed and ultimately hopefully create a more liquid market. And at the moment, where we find ourselves is it's very uh, bilateral over-the-counter trades which happen just because of the fact that there's no commonality in the, the measurement and reporting thereof. Colin, that's so interesting. Um, I think you've made some really, you know, really fascinating points about the conservation sector, the conservation sector's approach to biodiversity um, and how the, the changing ways of addressing and measuring this ongoing crisis uh, is hopefully going to help we, the private sector, to mobilise capital into the conservation sector. Um, so, so thank you very, very much for, for, for all of that. It just remains to me to remind our audience that, that you can hear Colin go into more detail on these subjects during the panel at Building Bridges on the 30th of November in Geneva, where we will also be joined by Victoria Leggett, the Head of Impact at UBP, 
and Johan Lamarant, who's the lead expert on biodiversity at the consultancy uh, Archavis. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to moderating that discussion. If you're interested to, to join that discussion, you can register on www.buildingbridges.org to attend the event. And, and we really look forward to, uh, to seeing you there. Colin, uh, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you, Simon, and a uh, pleasure chatting to you.